This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, I'm a little nervous today. Why? Well, this is the first time I've ever recorded with someone who's actually using a Linux computer. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Fingers, like fingers and quotes here because I'm, I'm still using the Microsoft side of it. And uh, so for, yes, for people who wonder why I would say that, a, a few weeks ago we talked about Taylor's process of buying a new computer, setting up a dual boot system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is sort of a follow-up chit-chat to that chit-chat. And now I'll turn it over to Taylor. Okay. So um, as per the last time we were on this saga, um, i could, I, I had learned so much and nothing was working. And finally I realized after much trial and error that the problem was not me. It was the computer. It was a laptop that was simply incompatible with window, with uh, dual booting windows and Linux at the same time. So uh, I was like, well, great. Now what? But then I realized I was still in the, the window for the return. So I took it back and I bought another one, different brand. And um, it was a really good deal on it. And I was really excited, loved the keyboard. The important thing, keyboard's super important to me. And But it was really slow, so slow. And I thought, well, maybe the Linux side of it will be faster. So let me just see if I could get it set up. And I did. I, I got it working for a dual boot system, which if you're not tech savvy, that means, for those who don't know, that means um, the computer has two operating systems on it, and you can choose whether you're going to run Windows or Linux. You, uh, um, which one is actually operating the computer. And so it's like having two computers on the same computer. Anyway, um, uh, it was it was too slow. It, it, it was making me crazy. It was, it was as slow practically in some things as my seven-year-old laptop that I'm having to replace. So I was like, what, what the heck is this? I started doing more research on it. And apparently there's a problem with that particular model because it had a massive hard drive, but no solid-state drive. And um, it was the hard drive that was slowing it down. And people were saying, oh, well, uh, the, the, the motherboard has a slot where you can just, you know, automatically plug and play in a solid state drive on there. And then it fixes everything. It moves super fast. And I was like, I, I didn't buy this computer to, be, to, have, to, to have to upgrade it. Upgrade like, it in know. two days. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that was not the point. So I was like, back to the store you go. And so that brand had another model which was the same keyboard, same everything, but different specs on different guts. So I went and brought that home. And by this time, I don't even know how many times I've done this, right? So I'm kind of a pro at it by now, <laughs> at least with this particular um, distro that I'm trying to get installed. And so first try, just bam, everything goes through. And I'm just like, yes. So then it's a matter of making sure that, you know, all my other programs work and, you know, get it. So it's a slow process of slowly setting up the computer, but I am running, I have a dual boot, but I couldn't get Skype working in Linux. So I'm still using Microsoft for that. But, um, but now I've run into a new problem, which is I've never been concerned about the size of my hard drives before. I just never, I don't do enough large stuff on them to, to, to require 
um, even having to worry about that. But when you have two systems running on the same hard drive, you have to divide that space. And so that like almost cuts the space in half. And so now space is all of a sudden like a concern. And I'm like, all right, now I really got to think through everything I do of how much space it's going to use to to do this, to do that. So that's a whole new um, discovery for me. And that's where I'm at with it now. So, so when you yeah. were testing earlier today, you were messaging me saying that this, you're on the new computer and you're testing. Was that on the Linux side or on the Windows side? That was on the Windows side. Okay. All right. Um, I, I did like trying to get Skype, Skype running on the Linux side was one of the very first things I did. And um, it just, it wasn't working. I don't know. It could be something weird. It could be something that, you know, it was an internet connectivity issue. I don't know. I got to go look at it, but it could just be that for some reason, that particular um, program or whatever they call them in Linux doesn't, isn't really compatible with this system. It's just, everything is, it's like if with Linux, you're given, um, unlimited options, right? To, to cut everything is, is its own thing. Everything has to be integrated with another thing, which makes it super customizable if you know what you're doing. But if you don't, then you're just kind of like, uh, all right, it didn't work. Moving on. So yeah, I have to <laughs> I have to go check that out and see if it's something that I can fix or not. All right, good story. You tied all that together really well, and that leads oh, into our. You are so smooth. See, I told you, you I'd get so it. I told smooth. you. <laughs> Before we came on, Taylor wasn't sure how how we were going to transition into the topic, and I said I'll, I'll come up with something, and we did. So anyway, yes. the topic today is tying in things like emotional beats and action beats into the story, not just inserting them into the story, but tying them in so that they enhance the story. Yes. So this is a topic that I, I conceptually understand it in my head, but trying to break it down and describe it is really difficult because I don't have examples to work with. Um, and so I really hope that I'm able to be clear on this. Um, and if not, of course, you guys know that we're always open to feedback and I, I love follow-up questions. So work with me here on this one. And it has to do with the way, um, elements, story elements flow on the page. So you have a scene and in that scene, you're going to have the action and you're going to have the character's inner world, which would be the narrative, and you're going to have dialogue, more like more than likely. And sometimes what will happen is you'll get a scene, and it either it's a lot of dialogue back and forth, and it starts to read like a transcript because um, there's no life in it, or you get a lot of action, which reads like, you know, when you're in a, reading off the lines of a play, right? It's just talking. It's not, there's no life in it. And it's the, it's the emotional beats of the character being inside that character's head that ties all of these things together and gives them meaning to the reader where you actually feel something about them. If all you have is just the action, it's just there. It's stuff that's happening and, and you're not connected to it. You're just kind of observing it. But when the char character's thoughts and feelings and um, the character's involvement in these things comes to life on the page, then the reader also becomes emotionally invested in what's going on. 
So it's that the inner dialogue, the narrative that weaves these different elements together in a way that brings them to life and makes them feel real. And we're always going for feeling. We want to feel. That's why we read is to feel, to experience, to feel life. We're, we're living vicarious lives and we're learning along the way, but it's really the vicarious enjoyment of the thrill, the romance, whatever it is. If you don't feel the flo- the story is going to feel flat. It's going, it's just going to be like there. Okay, whatever. So sometimes what'll happen is you get where authors know that they need to have these emotional beats. They know it conceptually. And so they'll insert them. Like they'll, they'll know, okay, this is feeling a little dry. And like, if I've been teaching them, you know, okay, you need to, we need emotional beats because we need to really connect to the character experience this, the way the character's experiencing it. So then those emotional beats will get inserted and they'll get inserted in a, in a way of like, you know, well, he really thought that this, that, and the other, and then it'll just move on to the next action or the next dialogue. And so technically it was done. They, the, the emotional beat was inserted, but it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because it's not tied together to something that's happening right then and there on the page. So sometimes emotional beats are really helpful for bringing history into play because as human beings, everything we've experienced in the past will affect our decisions, our, our frame of mind, how we react to present circumstances. If you have issues that you haven't resolved, you're going to have really bizarre behavior that nobody can explain because you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, but you do it. If you've worked through those issues or you don't have any unresolved uh, trauma in your past or whatever, then you your actions might seem more logical. But there's still all everything that we do in the now is influenced by things we've experienced in the past. Well, our characters are the same way. So when something's happening on the page right now, it's not happening in a void. There was something, there's always something that got the character to where they are in that moment in time. And sometimes it's related to something that might have happened in the last chapter. Sometimes it's related to something that might have happened in their childhood. But the point is, right now, in the now, is never a void. It's always connected. It's connected to the character's wants, to their dreams, to their fears, to, to their love, to everything. And so not only is it connected to the past, it is connected to the present. Past and present are the same in terms of us as individuals, right, on on the page. So when you have this action-action and you need that character emotional beat, it's not enough to just say, you know, and he thought that that was stupid or whatever. I'm struggling so hard to come up with examples here. It's got to tie somehow into what's right there on the page and also 
the point of the emotional beat is to bring other parts of the story, the emotional connection to other parts of the story there on the page. So if, and he thought that was stupid, has absolutely nothing to do with the paragraph that follows, then it's a wasted beat. All it does is tell us something about the character, but we don't understand why we're being told this about the character or shown this about the character. To have, to give it, to really truly bring that scene to life and to to give that um, emotional beat, it's let it serve its true purpose, we have to understand why. How is this connected? Why are we being told this in the moment? And it could be followed by a because, or it could be followed as a just as, or, you know, whatever, but it's it's got to link. It has to be related to something that's happening right now. And And the whole reason it's there in the first place is because obviously it's come from somewhere else, from the past, from the thoughts, the analysis, whatever's going on. So it's, it's, it's coming from another place, portaling in, and it has to somehow be related to what's happening there on the page as well. Can't be one, it has to be both. Can we put some parameters around the idea of a beat? Because I know from, from reading your work and from seeing some of the Hack the Craft stuff that we've done, what you're talking about now can be done fairly – I mean, it doesn't take a lot of words to do it. Um, so our, our, that's what we're talking about here, right? Um, you know, adding a couple of sentences, not – page and a half of emotional outpouring, for example. Right. We're looking at maybe a three-sentence paragraph or maybe a little longer if, if the voice and style and, and everything warrants it to be maybe a paragraph, two small paragraphs. You're not looking at a word dump, a, you know, an info dump or, I mean, sometimes those beats, those, those pauses, whatever, can be a really good opportunity to transition into a, a backflash and then bring bring it back around into the present. It really depends on what's happening in that moment. You do not want to, for example, interrupt the middle of a fight scene for <laughs> a two-page reminiscence of the last time this person was in a really bad fight like this, you know? So timing is everything, you know? But... When people talk about how my fight sequences seem so real and so alive and so vivid, it's because they are coming from inside the character's head. You know, how the character is reacting to those to the to the fight rather than, you know, we placed a punch here and a kick here or whatever. I mean those those types of things are necessary as well, but um it's the character's emotional response to those things that is what brings them to life. So, yes, you can put those beats in the middle of a fight scene, but they're going to be really short, like, you know, a five-word sentence, for example. Mm -hmm. But later on, like, when they're trying to piece together something or reminiscing about something, then you have a lot more space to make it a much longer beat. So when I talk about a beat, it's really, it's almost like a shift. You're, you're, you're shifting from element to element. Um, and so a beat can be anything that you need it to be in terms of length, but you have to be mindful of 
the environment it's being placed into. And if, if you've heard or seen, it's best to always see the Hack the Craft episodes, but if you've seen the Hack the Craft episodes and heard the difference from the starting story that we're, that we're working on to the finished, a lot of what, I, in my own mind, I always call tailorizing, and I know I've, I've used that phrase on the show before, but a lot of the tailorizing is adding those emotional beats in places where they weren't before, and it just adds this richness to, to the scene and, and really brings it alive, which is exactly what you're saying, but from a... I, we don't have specific examples, but I know we've done this a half dozen times, and in in almost every case, when there's an emotional beat added, it just adds so much. And as you're reading it, it's like, I don't know why this is so much better, but it's a lot better. I think now that I've had a chance to like actually think about it and articulate it a little bit, I'm going to be personally more mindful of it. So when we come, when as we move forward and we get the next Hack the Craft tutorial put together... When I see stuff like that, I'll now have the language to say, okay, you know, here's an emotional beat and here's how we're tying it together with the scene that, with, with the sentences that follow. And it's not just the emotional beats that that's critical to, it's also the action beats. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes you'll, you'll get these things where I guess sometimes we try and get fancy with our words and not always start the sentences the same way or whatever. And, and I used to do that a lot more too. But what I, what I found is that a lot of times it's like the word said, you know, where you're, you're supposed to not be, and he, you know, with, I can't even, I've eliminated all of these dialogue tags from my (laughs) repertoire. I can't even think of what they are anymore. You know, um, yes, he smiled. Yes. He grumbled. Yes, whatever. It's just we, we go with said, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it gets to be where your brain just doesn't even acknowledge the said anymore. It just it recognizes it's the closing out the speech or that it's a pause and, and it moves on. And and sometimes with just using the most the cleanest, most um, simple language to start your sentences, you know, she, he, they, instead of getting all fancy and trying to to twist the order of the words around so that you know, it, it starts different or whatever. You just have this streamlined, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, but be, but the brain skips over that and it, it just gets involved, right? So what I find sometimes is when, as authors, we try and get a little bit fancy with our switching up the words or, you know, trying to find more creative ways to start sentences, bring multiple elements together in the same movements or whatever, a lot of those movements get lost. And so you, you'll you get scenes where all of a sudden the character, two characters are standing next to each other when three sentences ago they were across the room from each other. And those emotional, those uh, movement beats get lost. And so tying the movement beats together is also as critical as the emotional beats. And we talk about, we've talked about anchoring um, where, and it's an anchoring issue. And anchoring essentially boils down to the, the, the reader has to know at all times where that character's body is in time and space. And so... Sometimes by trying to get fancy, we lose 
track of where that body is in time and space. And that's how you get those um, those blips on the page where the movement doesn't really seem to be flowing. You get it in retrospect, but that's great. Your brain has to go back and fill it in and reposition the bodies and everything. So again, the, the, what we're talking about is tying it all together, how it has to tie. It's like, it's like a crochet uh, chain, you know, if, if you don't have the next loop and you, then you just have a string and then you pick up again, it's not a chain any, anymore. It's just this string, right? This thread, yarn, whatever. I don't want any of the knitting people or crocheting people, please <laughs> jump on my throat about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, so it, it really is like getting the story to flow. It's, it's a logic process. Really, truly it is, but it's a logic process that involves emotion, movement, and dialogue, and um, and character interaction, and the characters in her world. And it's like creating a cro- just a single crochet chain. Just you know, it just it just goes, and it has to keep weaving back on itself, weaving back on itself, um, so that every sentence is linked, interlinked to the next. And you can't just throw in a movement. If it's not somehow connected to whatever comes next, you can't just throw in some inner dialogue without weaving in how it comes into the next. And that is my topic, as blurry as it may be. And and let me jump in here because I've received stuff back from you that says something like we need an emotional beat here or we need a movement beat here or you know, in other words, you don't always use those words. And when I first read through it, I go, that'll be easy. And then I get to that section and it, my mind just goes blank. It's like, it is easy to just create a movement beat, to create, but to create a movement beat that makes sense within everything else that's going on and, and to move the story forward and to accomplish a little bit more than just the movement beat is hard. And so I will occasionally send you back something that I think, okay, this is brilliant. And then you'll send it back just like completely reworded. And it's like, oh, now that's really Really good. So it's not as easy as you think. It sounds like, okay, we've had this chatter for three paragraphs. There needs to be some movement or there needs to be an emotional, emotional reaction. And it would be easy for us as writers to just say, yeah, I'll, I'll just insert something there and it will satisfy that need. I can check that box and move forward. But if you do that, you don't get the richness that we see in the hack the craft work that that we have been working on, you know, from time to time. And hopefully we'll have another one of those soon. And that is craft yes. to be able to weave those things together. That is craft. It takes practice. It takes, it takes doing it over and over and realizing what works with your style, what works with your voice, what works with the character. And, and I, I always keep going back to what is your character thinking? What is your character feeling? This is a real person on the page. What's going on with them. And if the closer you can get in, to what's going on with them, the the easier it is to actually feel it yourself, to see it yourself, and then convey that onto the page. Well, this this came across more clearly than I thought it would when we were first talking about it. So, uh, God, nice so. nice job, <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Taylor. <laughs> But if you do have follow-up questions, please let us know. Let Taylor know. There are lots of ways you can do it, and you can find those on the website. Um, or you can you can always find Taylor in the Taylor Stevens Fan Club group on Facebook. And, of course, you should know the email address by now. 
So that is it. We will be back in your ear again next week. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>